We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 203. Merry Christmas, everyone. You're listening to this podcast on Monday or maybe Tuesday because, let's be honest, maybe people are spending their day with their families on Christmas. I don't know. I've heard that's a thing, Scott. But also, happy Hanukkah to everyone who just finished celebrating Hanukkah like myself. Scott, how's it going? It's good, man. Christmas is a... Uh, I can't believe it got here already. It's, it's like this entire year just absolutely flew by. Uh, happy Hanukkah to you. I know... Uh, that you're also going to be celebrating some Christmas back in my old stomping grounds with with your girlfriend and her family as well. So a uh, little, little Ridgewood, New Jersey shout out. You're going to be heading back to, uh, to, to Dirty Jers. I am. Yep. Right after we finish this podcast. Can't wait. Nice, man. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, we're, this is, this is going to be an interesting Christmas for us. I know a lot of people have been actually asking and, and uh, sending me messages. And man, I, I, it's, it's truly humbling when, you, when you're doing the show and you're talking to, uh, when I'm talking to you about Yankees, and I know a lot of people are listening, but when they reach out to you and start talking to you about personal things like my, my son, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm up in Boston with my wife and my son. We are uh, we were at Boston Children's Hospital where my son is, had, has just gone under just uh, undergone his second heart surgery. He's doing well. He's, he's recovering right now in the ICU. 
uh, and you know we're we're super happy about it. He's kind of going through a, just a couple little electrical issues, if you will, with the heart. So we're hoping those will pass in the next few days, and uh, and we can get the heck out of here and and go back home. So that's that's something. But again, I really want to just thank everybody for reaching out and um, and just saying so many nice things. It's really awesome. It's a uh, it's it's truly like a Yankee family. It really is. I mean, this is kind of my therapy uh, going through all this stuff, and it's I, I love doing it because it kind of gets my mind off things, and I get to talk Yankee baseball, which has been you know, a passion of mine my entire life. Um, but I wanted to, to say something as well, just quickly on this note, because I know people have been following Kemp's journey as well. One of the places that we do stay, uh, every every time we've we've come to Boston, we've stayed in an apartment uh, called the, uh, it's the run by the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation. And I know when everybody's home for Christmas and you guys are doing all, whatever you're doing with the family, I know we, we talk about a number of things and um, it, it might be an, a really cool opportunity for, for anybody who's interested in following this a little bit closer to, um, to support a, basically the, 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 the community of um, children's heart defects because it's a very massive community. You don't realize how big it is until you're actually in it. Uh, I didn't even know really that it existed until I was there, uh, but it's a it's a very large, loving, open arm community. Um, so I wanted to throw out the foundation that that's that sets up the apartment housing up in in Boston, um, in case anybody is interested in um, in supporting them in any way. But it's called the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation, and the the website is ethanlindbergh.com. And if you go on there, even as small of a donation you want, if you want to support this in any way, I would truly appreciate it. Um, if you do shoot, take, just take a screenshot and shoot me uh, an email or tweet me and I'll, I'll retweet it from Bronx pinstripes, but it'd be pretty cool to get, uh, you know, just a small little uh, donation drive going for these guys. They do some amazing research in Boston um, for children's heart uh, defects. They work with the children's hospital and they do a number of things. And honestly, the research that they do and, and that they support has led to developments that are, are basically keeping my son, um, uh, for all intensive purposes, they're, they're keeping him going right now. They're, they're doing, and they're going to be basically that, that research keeps him uh, and gives him a very positive long-term outlook. So it's important to me. It's important to obviously everybody who's involved. Um, so again, it's ethanlindberg.com. You can make a donation on there. Definitely shoot me a screenshot, but it would be awesome for a bunch of Yankees fans to go up there. And even if it's a, a couple bucks to, uh, to support a, a local Boston charity, I think that would be very apropos. You mentioned something at the start where you said you get a ton of messages uh, from fans of the podcast, listeners of the podcast, people who read the website, and I see them too because we we share the Twitter accounts, and it's just so awesome to see the listeners of of this podcast, you know, so active and so um, interested in Kemp's story. So. Just as as me, your co-host, that's awesome to see as well. Um, yeah, we're. I mean, you know, it's it's. We do this show every week. We talk Yankees. We do all all Yankees baseball, uh, but everybody, you know, we some people have been listening to us for three years. I'm sorry that you've had to hear my voice for three years, but some of us have been listening to us for three years, and we've met a bunch of these guys at events and things like that. And you know, when you meet people and you know they're listening and they meet you, it's just a it's a cool connection there. Um, so there's there's definitely a, a a strong community that has grown and is growing around this, and the fact that you guys are you know taking a vested interest in in uh, my family's personal life and things like that it means the world to me because it, it's happening. I mean I can't I can't tell you it's not happening because it is it's happening and and we're we're going through this and and, and my my guy is just he's kicking ass he really is he's 
um, we have a very positive outlook on everything and um, and we're just you know we're embracing this whole thing as, as just a, an, another challenge and another fight and Kemp's kicking some butt so we call him Kemp the warrior and uh, that's exactly what he's doing he's battling on so yeah if you could make a donation uh, again it would be uh, it would just be amazing if you don't that's fine too but um, definitely screenshot it or do something shoot it to me and I'll, I'll retweet it from even the Bronx pinstripes account and see if we can't get something cool going and speaking of that community, the BP crew, we have some 2018 dates. We got an email uh, from someone who is interested in coming to some of the games that we've talked about. We have six dates set up for you guys uh, next year where we did two of them last year. We did the one on June 10th. It was awesome. It was the game that Judge demolished the Orioles pitching. Uh, we were out at Billy's pregame, and then we did one in September. It was the last weekend of the season. We did a pregame at the Bronx Brewery. So we actually have six dates coming up in 2018. The first one is April 7th versus Baltimore. It's a Saturday. It's a 1 o'clock game. The next one is May 26th versus the Angels. That's a Saturday night game. And uh, maybe Otani, if his elbow is still put together, might be on the mound. Who knows? The next one's June 29th versus Boston. That's a Friday night game. July 28th versus KC is a Saturday game. We don't know the time yet. August 11th versus Texas is a Saturday game. And then finally, September 15th versus Toronto, Saturday game. So we've got five, uh, six Saturday, or yeah, five, if I can count, five, five Saturday games and a Friday game. So we have seven events, actually. You still can't count. That's, that's, um, there's six six total. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Five six. plus one is six. And you then, didn't number them. You got to number them in the notes, <laughs> there, buddy. Then, uh, so just so everybody knows about these events too, we're we're gonna do, be doing a t-shirt around them, just like we did the first two. Uh, some sort of an event, whether it's a pregame um, around them, postgame, something along that line around these uh, these games. And the um, what I'm doing, I'm gonna be putting together packages as well. So they'll be individually priced. We're gonna get these games out before you can even buy reg uh, regular season individual game tickets. I think those go out in February at some point. Um, I'm talking to the, the Yankees tickets guys, but we're gonna have these out ahead of that. So you'll be able to buy Yankees tickets before you could, anybody else could buy Yankees tickets, which is awesome. Um, and I'm gonna put together a package that that has a like a season package too. So anybody who wants to come to all these games and is looking to go to six Yankees games, come to these games. They're gonna be fun. We're going to be in the same, the same section, section 205, 206, um, a lot closer to the front of the uh, section as well. We're going to be blocked a lot more densely together as well, which I'm very excited about. But they, the Yankees have basically dubbed that section as our section. We can grow it as large as we want, which is awesome. So definitely tell your friends, tell your family, um, get on board with these events. Uh, the dates, we'll put them in the show notes as well. Um, and then... You can't buy tickets yet because I have to put together the the package, but I am going to put together like a discounted season package as well if you're interested in that, and I'll throw some other cool perks in there. So keep an eye out for that. You know, around the uh, the beginning of the year at some point when I can get my ass in gear in uh, in January, and we'll have that. But I'm pumped up. That's going to be exciting. Um, that is exciting. It's going to be fun, and we'll definitely be building more onto that community. The the BP crew is going to be loud in right field, and those dates are set in stone. So if you need to. Book travel. You can you can be sure that those dates are not going to change. Oh, that makes me nervous. <laughs> but no, they're set in stone. But that makes me nervous. <laughs> um, final bit of housekeeping news that we've got for you guys as this week of Christmas to New Year's. I know a lot of people have the week off. Um, my office is closed, which is awesome. I'm looking to, uh, forward to some time off. 
we've we did a lot of player podcasts where we talked to guys like Clint Frazier, Tyler Wade uh, last season, and we talked to some guys who are no longer on the team as well. Uh, poor one out for your boy Ref Snyder and Blake Rutherford. But for the guys who are still in the Yankees organization, we're going to put those interviews out again uh, this week as you guys are listening to this. So we've got Clint Frazier, Tyler Wade. Ben Heller, Justice Sheffield, Chance Adams, and Clark Schmidt. Some people might be saying, who the hell is Clark Schmidt? He's the guy <laughs> that the Yankees drafted in the first round last year. We got him like the day after he was drafted. Yeah. So uh, all, those, all those interviews are going to be out this week. Some of them were long, like Frazier gave us a full hour. Uh, some of them are on the shorter side. I remember Justice, he was on the, he was on the bus, right, in double-A? Bus yeah, he was, on the bu- he was on the bus going to wherever they were playing next. So that's, that was something that we've been toying around with. I'm actually, I need to shoot another email to, uh, to my contacts over in AA and AAA to see if we can't get that bus, the bus interview thing going. I think that's, a, that's, that's, that's got legs. I think that's a, a good uh, segment we should do. It's, it's a good segment, although the sound quality might be, might be lacking on some, on some of them. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. There's this, the bus The bus sound quality, not the greatest. <laughs> and uh, also, if you guys missed it on the last episode, at the very end of the show, there was a, a quick uh, conversation I had with Jabari Blash, who the Yankees just acquired from San Diego. So you can go back and listen to that as well. Okay, let's get into some Yankees topics here. The, the big rumor uh, going on right now is Garrett Cole. And uh, I've got a, little, I got a little something for you. Do you think the Yankees are going to get Garrett Cole in their stocking this Christmas? Hmm. Oh, the Cole thing. See, I'm, I am not there mentally. <laughs> I got that way afterwards. Uh, so then now far I'm, too long. Yeah, it did. Now I'm, now I'm wondering if it's a good thing or a bad thing because getting Cole in your stocking is not a good thing. And, uh, you know, if, it's, if it is the package that the Pirates are looking for, then I also agree it's not a good thing. Um, it's this, this Garrett Cole thing is confusing to me, I think. It's, uh, it's one of those deals where you're looking at the Yankees have all the strength right now. They're 100% in the driver's seat. They don't need Garrett Cole. He's, a, he's, he's a, a luxury at this point. They have five starters. They have five established starters, the ones that were there last year uh, that they ended the season with. So they don't need him. He's a, he'd be a nice shiny toy that is, that is uh, what com- I think he's controlled through at the end of 2019, if I'm correct. He's similar to Sonny Gray, right? Yeah, they, let me look. I, for, I, think it's t- I, think it's a sim- I think it's a similar contract. Anyway, he is controlled. He's a big name. Yankees had him at one point. He dissed the Yankees, went to UCLA. So um, the Yankees obviously want him back. They've been looking at him for a long time. They tried to bring him into the organization uh, a, a while ago when, before he went to college. So all that being said, Garrett Cole, the pitcher, you know, does he excite me? Eh, I guess the potential of Garrett Cole excites me, but how long are we going to be talking about his potential? He's a free agent in 2020, so you're right. He yeah. he is, uh, you know, in arbitration through the 2019 season. You you nailed it where you said the Yankees are at a position of strength because of the five starters that they have. I don't know about you, but I am extremely comfortable going into the season next year with Tanaka, Severino, uh, Sonny Gray. Jordan Montgomery and CC Sabathia. Do I think that all five of those guys are going to make it through the season, each pitching 30 times, no injuries, everything's going to be hunky-dory? Hell no. There's going to be injuries. But they also have Chad Green, who they think is going to go into the uh, spring training as a starter, Chance Adams, number of these different depth guys that they can plug in if a guy goes down. Now, if, if Severino blows out an elbow and he's out for the season, well, then that completely changes things. But you can't assume something like that is going to happen. You can assume there's going to be minor injuries where a guy, especially like CC's, got some knee issues. But but they have five starters, and barring a six man rotation, 
um, which we have an e- email about uh, later in the show, or barring like Jordan Montgomery getting dealt, I just don't see why the Yankees would would push on Garrett Cole, where they would be giving up guys like uh, Fr- Clint Frazier and or Adams is sort of like the package that I've heard the Yankees want to have, but uh, the Pirates are still holding out for Gliber Torres, which I think Cashman is hanging up the phone on them as soon as they say the name Gliber Torres, because I don't think there's any way they trade him. So I think the Yankees can say, we've got five starters. Your price is either going to come down or we're moving on. Yeah, I just don't, there's a couple, two, two sides of this I don't really understand. One, if the Pirates are asking for the world and they're not getting the world, then why are they getting rid of this guy? His value is only going to increase, unless there's an injury, but that his value is only going to increase as the season goes on towards the trade deadline. We've seen the hauls that happen at the trade deadline when we got for Andrew Miller. I mean, it's, it's a coincidence that the same name, Clint Frazier, would be the centerpiece of this, but it, it seems like even the for where the Yankees are standing, like that, that second deal, the one that, that's reportedly they're comfortable with, to me is a very large package for a guy like Gary Cole. Yeah, I, mean, that's, I agree. That's three guys that can contribute on the major league level. Clint Frazier being one that's already done it. Chance Adams and Andor obviously are a little bit more on the unknown side, but have great prospects. So, and they're both in AAA. Like these guys are, are getting very close to ready to go. I, I just... I don't know. I, to me, it's it's like you're you're trying to get an embarrassment of riches in pitching, and the only way it makes it makes any sense, and you're going to make a deal to fit the roster because that's the other problem. You just named five starters. We talked about they have their guys back. Like who's going to leave? So the only thing I can think of is that Jordan Montgomery is part of this deal, or he's flipped somewhere else for something else. See, and, and, thinking- and then and then what are we doing? Are we moving sideways? Because kind of. To me, that's what it is almost. No, Garrett Cole's better than Jordan Montgomery at this point. Who maybe. knows? Who knows what? No, not maybe. Like people, okay, okay. People are, are. I got into this on Twitter yesterday. I know he's a good pitcher, and he he's came a good off an pitcher. Injury. He came off an injury, and he he gave thirty one home runs last year, which is really bad. I mean, that's Phil Hughes bad. And if you go to Yankee Stadium, that might go up to forty home runs. Who the hell knows? And it's trended up, by the way. That's not a that's a new stat for him. Right, but I, I made a comparison between Garrett Cole and Sonny Gray because if you look at their career traje- trajectory, it's very similar. They each had Cy Young caliber seasons in 2015. I think Sonny Gray finished third in the American League that year, and Garrett Cole finished fourth in the American League that year, uh, in the National League that year for Cy Young voting. And then they've experienced some downswings and some injuries sprinkled in to, the, to that as well. So. You're you're trading for the Yankees traded for Sonny Gray because they think he's closer to the 2015 pitcher than he is the 2016 pitcher. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah. But so you'd be doing the same thing for Garrett Cole. I understand that, but to me, when you're talking about the the names that are involved in this trade, you're you're talking about guys that are much closer to being ready for the major leagues. The 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 the, the deal that got Sonny Gray, we dealt two injured guys and a dude that's in Double A who has been. St- Sporadic, if best. That's a, uh, that's as far a as good point. Yeah, you're right. The prospects the Yankees gave up for Sonny Gray were, let's be honest, not going to help the Yankees in the near J- future. James Caprillion, who was coming off of an injury, and <laughs> who knows, I've, I've been predicting ever since he was drafted that he's the next Mark Pryor with the way that he throws. I don't think he's going to have a long career. And just this this most recent injury to me is just building on that. Um, uh, Jorge Mateo, who's been up and down. I mean, like this, he was like the top prospect for a long time. Had some Fowler. issues. Yeah, Fowler was Fowler. the injury. I mean, Fowler. Who knows if he stayed healthy, he could have. I mean, he could have changed a lot. Fowler staying healthy because Clint Frazier might have never been in the big leagues. And then if Fowler had a really good season, who knows? Maybe they don't trade for Giancarlo Stanton. 
Yeah, but the the thing is, when we're talking about those two deals, because I've heard other uh, yesterday, I was watching something where they were they were talking about the package of these guys and saying it was very comparable. But to me, it's not because you have Clint Frazier, who is um, where is he ranked now? Now he's like top ten or top fifteen. Well, no, he's no longer and, a prospect. Oh, right, that's right. So, but he was up there. He was one of the highest, you know, in the top tier of of all prospects in Major League Baseball. I think he was top twenty in Major League Baseball, and he was the Yankees' third overall prospect. And I understand Caprillion was up there as well, and Mateo was up there, but they were both coming, or Caprillion coming off a major arm injury, mm-hmm. and and then Fowler coming off an injury, and, and who the hell knows what Mateo is? I personally don't think he's going to be a major leaguer. Higher and risk. Is, those those guys are yeah. high risk. Yeah. So it's it you know the deal to me is very different. So I, I, and and with with uh, with those numbers, if we're all so worried about the analytics and really focusing on the metrics of things and launch angle and the amount of uh, home runs you're giving up, Garrett Cole is not trending in the right direction. He's trending in a direction that's going to send a, a shit ton of fly balls out of Yankee <clears throat> Stadium because he's all the other the other um, metric and stat that I saw was that a lot more people a lot more guys are sitting on his fastball and pulling it. And that's bad news for Garrett Cole because that's a lot of home runs in Yankee Stadium. One thing I do like about Cole's 2017, though, is he pitched 203 innings coming off an elbow issue in 2016. So maybe he's durable. That's He pitched uh, 208 innings in 2015 when he received Cy Young votes and then 203 innings in 2017. The Yankees didn't have a 200-inning uh, pitcher last year. Severino didn't reach 200 innings, correct? Um, I don't. I don't remember what, how many innings exactly he had. But I'm looking know, it up. So, but but 200 innings is, yeah, uh, Severino 193. Okay, so, so for all intents and purposes, just like Tanaka did two years ago. He was there. Okay, but 200 innings, especially in today's game where the Yankees are trying to get to that bullpen as soon as there's a sign of trouble, that's that's good. So yeah, you're right. The fly ball, um, um, the fly ball um, trend, not good for Cole. But if he's healthy, he can fix that. But let me let me ask you a question because you just, I feel like that was almost a contradictory statement in the sense that does the two hundred innings matter as much now because they are going to the bullpen so fast? No, no. My my point with the two hundred innings is I don't think he's injured. Yeah, I know that's fine. So then why is he not performing up to his? Point? I don't know. You, I mean, maybe I it takes a year to get back. I don't I know. know. Who you knows? Know, maybe his stuff. Maybe there wasn't as much life on his fastball coming off an injury. Or, or, or I don't know. I didn't watch Gary. Guess how many Garrett Cole starts I watched last year? Zero. 100% zero. Big fat zero. I don't know. Look, Garrett Cole is a player. I like Garrett Cole as a player. I think that uh, this would potent- this would be one of Cashman's deals where he's looking at what he thinks he is and not what he is right now. I think they think he's on the upswing. I- I'm-, I'm hearing people uh, on MLB Network, I watch that quite a bit while I'm up here, have been talking about Garrett Cole like on the level of, of the top flight pitchers in the National League for next year, like conversation in the Cy Young, they think he's going to take that next step. Like he is that top flight guy. He's that top flight potential. Um, so I understand why the Yankees are trying to go after him. I just don't like the package right now for what's going on with the roster. To me, you're not getting the value because you're going to have to give up somebody else. Someone's going to have to give up their spot in that rotation. They're not going to go to a six-man rotation. That's I, I feel like that conversation is had every year and it just it dies in a, in a blaze of glory every single time because it never happens. Well, they've also never had six starters that are worth having a six-man rotation for. If they acquired Garrett Cole and did not get give up Jordan Montgomery, which I don't think they would because we have not seen Jordan Montgomery's name at all reported as being part uh, of that's, any trade. That's package. what leads me to believe that maybe he is part of it because Cashman is not leaking anything real. I agree with but, you though. The, the he's going to go to AAA then. He's going to be in AAA. Or if right? they did well, but what I my my point was that 
the reason a six-man rotation has never really happened is because you have four or five starters, and then the sixth one is like, eh, do we really want to give this guy a start? But if they had all of the five guys plus Garrett Cole, you could make an argument. All six of those guys are, are worthy of getting a start. So, I guess. But you're right. I, I do think they – and I feel bad because we're, we're, we're talking about an email we got from, from, our, from our guy Lee Jones in Liverpool, England. So let me just read that quickly. Um, it's been said that Green will enter spring training as a starter, yet the Cole, Fulmer, Corbin rumors persist. Do you think there's any chance that we're contemplating a six-man rotation? It was speculated when pursuing Otani. Perhaps they have decided to for, uh, forge ahead, especially as it would solve a problem if someone were to go on the DL at some point by reverting to a five instead of having to stretch someone out midseason. That's an interesting point uh, that Lee made at the end there, too. Yeah, you, you know, it's... You're just messing around with people's routines as well. And we know these guys are creatures of habits. They've been going on five days for, for how long? Five days rest. Like, that's what they do. You start throwing different things in there. Then, then you start talking about routines that are different. You start talking about... And I know they're professionals and they should be able to adapt to this because the professionals are getting paid millions of dollars to do it. But at the same time, that throw that out the window because all we care about is their performance. And usually when a guy is performing at his best, he's in a good routine. He's doing what he knows how to do. He's got confidence. And to me, you're disrupting that with something like this. I don't think they're going to go with a six-man rotation. I feel like that's that's just... They're shake, they've shaked up, they've shaken up a lot of things in this uh, this offseason. Them going to a, a six man rotation <laughs> for Aaron Boone's first time ever managing, yeah, that would be a doozy. Yeah, the binder's out the window. The binder is burned, my friend. Aaron Boone's coming in here. It's analytics, baseball at this point. Uh, it's, uh, Cashman and his nerds are thinking up stuff that we can't even dream of, and maybe a six man rotation is one of those things. Next thing we know, Brian Kenny is going to be in the front office on the Sabermetrics, the newly formed Sabermetrics team, and these guys are no longer starters, but they're openers. Well, that's the thing. If Chad Green comes in as a starter, but he only goes four innings, is he a starter or an opener? I don't know, but Brian Kenny's definitely like you know has got some little uh, schoolgirl laugh going on in the background as, as that happens. We got to get Kenny back on the podcast to to discuss. Definitely, definitely. The um, uh, so I don't know. I don't really understand like this whole thing. I, I think what Cashman is doing at this point is is he is just trying to play them back into his own hands. And you know, I don't really take a lot of stock in in the rumors of who the guys are because uh, I do feel like that um, that that could change. I, I do believe that Clint, Clint Frazier is probably this is the centerpiece. There's going to be a big name as a centerpiece. There's no yeah. doubt. Yeah. And I think Frazier makes the, the most sense of that, to be that guy. It's unfortunate um, because I don't want them to trade Clint Frazier. For a number of different reasons. Uh, I love his intensity. I thought yeah. what he brought to the table last year when he got his chance, he was exposed at the plate in certain situations. He was he was swinging at too much stuff. He was overmatched. But he played his friggin' ass off. And I loved that. Uh, I don't want to get too far down the road with uh, Frazier, but that kind of intensity reminded me of, of what O'Neal had. Not saying that he's going to turn into O'Neal and the team leader that O'Neal was, but you can, you kind of, it's a nice balance to have on a team where you got your even keeled guys like Derek Jeter and David Cohn and, and, and all those guys to sort of keep the ship on the level. But then you got O'Neal coming over the top where he just wants to win and he'll do anything at any cost. And I sort of saw some of that in Frazier last year. And you got your Aaron Judge and you got your Gary Sanchez and your Greg Bird. These guys, it's going to be the core going forward. They're raised the Yankee way. They're not going to say anything to rock the boat, all that kind of stuff. And then Clint Frazier's coming in here with the red hair, and he's sort of like blazing out there. And and you kind of like that on the team. 
Well, I think also when you're looking at it from a fan perspective, I think the fan who the the Yankees fan, usually the ones that are talking or that are listening to the show and and just like really into it are very passionate and emotional about their team. And we all go through a roller coaster where the Yankees are doing well. We're like, it's euphoria. It's like the greatest thing ever. And then when they're not doing well, it's like they're the worst. You're, you're cursing everybody out. You're you're pissed off. And you kind of relate to a guy like Clint Frazier who wears his emotions on his sleeve as that emotional guy. And I think that's why uh, people really embraced uh, Paul O'Neill because he didn't care. Like he, like a fan does with emotion swings. Like you saw that on the field and like, that's how I would feel if I was out there. So you almost relate to a guy like that uh, on a fan side because he is showing his true emotion rather than just kind of hiding behind the Yankee culture. Yeah. And you can't have 25 guys like that because your team will implode by the end of May. But if you have one out of 25 or two out of 25, I think that's, that actually is really good for a clubhouse. Yeah. It adds some fun to it too, for us yeah. to watch. Um, another thing about Sonny Gray, uh, it's also a conversation I had on Twitter uh, yesterday, was people are acting like Sonny Gray is a bum. And I know he came over and had a rough September, but he was one of the best starters in the American League from June when he was still with Oakland uh, through the month of August when he was with the Yankees. His win-loss record didn't show it because there were some times the Yankees and Oakland didn't score jack shit for him. Hopefully that's not going to be an issue next year. We think the Yankees offense is going to be okay in 2018. So hopefully he gets some run support and he and he doesn't try and be too perfect where he was nibbling and he can attack hitters because obviously his stuff is good enough to get hitters out. But I put out a, a Twitter poll question. Would you be surprised if Sonny Gray is the best Yankees starter in 2018? No, not at all. I mean, he's got top he's got top of the rotation caliber stuff. Like this is you look at the rotation, you break it down and and you look at where they would be on another team. You look at Tanaka, Severino and Gray. Those are three number 1 pitchers. 100% those would be guys that would that would lead a uh, a, a a rotation on another team. Tanaka obviously had the, the the very tough first half, but when he settled in, I mean, he showed what he could do. He showed the the type of consistent guy that he is. Um, we saw Severino break out last year, and then I, I think he gets uh, Sonny Gray gets gets hidden a little bit because he was in California for the beginning of his career, and a lot of people don't know much about him because it's, it's just an unknown. And they play games so damn late that nobody really has watched him pitch unless he's been on the East Coast. But he's a very, very, very good pitcher. He's got a ridiculous repertoire, probably the best um, you know group of pitches of, of all those guys like I, the the repertoire that he has on the mound and that, that he that he can command and when he's on is filthy unbelievably filthy i'd say him and uh tanaka probably have the best um group of pitches when, right. when they're on they're 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 practically impossible to hit they're not the most dominant they don't have the 98 mile an hour fastball that severino has but but you're right they have four sometimes five different pitches yeah and you don't know what's coming i remember that quote from david ortiz talking about uh, Sonny Gray, and you know, the, he saw him coming out as this little kid that would fix his iPhone at an Apple store. That's, I think, what he referred to him as. And he made him look like an idiot in the box because he had no idea what was coming. And the way that he throws with his arm slots and the, the way that he disguises his pitches, he's very tough to hit. When he's on, he's on. So, um, no, I don't know why people are, are shit. It's, it's similar to the, the, the syndrome that was happening at the beginning of last year, towards the end of the 2016 year, where people were shitting on Didi and, and, uh, and Starling Castro because there were all these other guys that they were looking at. And I think that's kind of the, the other thing. People it's, see other people and they forget about what's really good also on their team. It's what have you done for me lately? And Sonny yes. Gray had a bad September. He was okay in the playoffs, but he was probably... But he wasn't trusted. He, he was wasn't their, trusted. He was their, their fourth starter in the playoffs. He was their worst starter in the playoffs. 
Yeah, and that's saying a lot. I mean, that's saying a lot. And well, because you could tell that he wasn't, you know, he had didn't have the confidence of the coaching staff either. Like the way that they we used kept him. bitching because he he we felt like he was nibbling. Yeah, and this is a guy that has gone out there and done well in the postseason before with Oakland. He's had some very good starts, so he's got the he's got that competitor nature. He's got these has a, a proven track record. Um, so I, no, I would not be surprised if he came out and was the uh, was the best starter next year. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Exactly. So I, I just I guess I don't understand why why some fans are acting otherwise. But that's another reason why the Yankees don't need Garrett Cole. But if you did trade for Garrett Cole, he could also be the Yankees' best starter in 2018. Yeah, I mean we're just talking about an embarrassment of riches at that point. I just don't know what we're doing with all those guys, and I, I get everybody's. Well, like, they're trying to win a freaking World Series. <laughs> I know, but everybody's like, you know, there's depth. Like you can never have too much starting pitching. I totally understand that, but. To what extent are we doing that? Because if we are doing that, then Jordan Montgomery, I don't, I don't know where he's going to be. CeCe's definitely on the team. He's got a deal. He's going to pitch. Where's Jordan Montgomery going? Is he going to be in AAA? Are they going to put him in the bullpen? <clears throat> what are they doing with him? Then we're then we're talking about a guy who's in AAA that doesn't, he 100% doesn't belong in AAA. He's a major league pitcher. And, and he's just down there because there's not a spot for him. And I don't know. That's just a weird situation to be in. It's not good for player development. It's not good for... Uh, you know the the relationship with the player in the club. In my opinion, there's just a number of things that that, that are strange there. So I'm interested to see how it folds, how it unfolds. But I see what Cashman's doing. He's trying to acquire talent, right? Trying yeah. to acquire talent and on the pitching side. So if he could do that with a deal that he's comfortable with, I've said all along, I trust everything that he does right now. The guy can do no wrong. So if he sees it as a, a move that he makes and and it's good for the club, I'm in. You know, if it's Clint Frazier, the one thing you and I were talking about and, and Rich in the back and RJ in uh, in one of our one of our group chats is that um, there are some other guys that are, are are raising up. Floreal was rumored to be part of that deal. That's another one that they apparently have dismissed because he's practically untouchable. But another guy that, that came over um, from in the Cubs deal for, with um, uh, for Chapman was Billy McKinney, who has now started to play more uh, he's playing outfield he's an outfielder and he's also starting to play some first base he's raking right now he's he's in uh the fall league he's raking this is a guy that is a was a top 100 prospect i think he was a top 50 prospect in the cup system he came over he started with the a's i think he came went over to the cubs in the uh, addison russell deal and the dude can rake i mean absolutely rake he's been hurt he's fully healthy you saw him coming on at the end of last year and i think that's a guy to watch i think the yankees really like him and maybe that's making Cashman feel a little bit better about trading Frazier if it's part of the deal. Absolutely, because Brett Gardner's up at the end of next year, and maybe he, he re-signs for like a one-year one deal or short-term deal with the Yankees, and you keep him in left field. But he's getting old. You're going to need a left fielder. So that's why people are saying Clint Frazier is the left fielder of the future. Maybe it's Billy McKinney. Maybe it's Florial. Maybe it's someone that we don't even know. But that's why I think giving up Clint Frazier – is extra hard to handle because we see a clear spot for him. Maybe not in 2018, but definitely 2019. Well, I, the other thing is, though, because if you look at what's going to happen in the in the Yankees outfield this year, too, I mean, some people might debate that point because maybe everybody's thinking that Aaron Hicks is the center fielder of the future, which I have a hard time believing. But the, He's the center fielder of the near future. <laughs> of the near future. But if he is that guy that they think is going to take that job and be that guy, then you have a center fielder, right? Then you have two giants that are going to flank him, basically, because one of them will judge or Stanton, if we're looking at this, and if Gardner is not re-signed, one of them most likely is going to go to left field permanently. And the way that Aaron Boone's been talking about it 
um, kind of with the media and, and just answering questions about what they're going to do on defense, it seems like he's going to kind of throw both of them in left field at some points and and see who's comfortable. And he's really not going to have a set plan. Just kind of go with it. Um, we, he's already talked about if there's a tough lefty on the mound that he wants to get both those guys in. So someone's going to have to play if you're um, if you're stacking that DH spot with a righty as well. So. There's going to be a lot of interesting things to, that, that come up. So, you know, it's not a very, it's not 100% a clear path that Frazier has that left field job either. Absolutely. And these are all just speculating rumors at this point with Garrett Cole. We're recording this Saturday morning. So who knows? Christmas Eve night. This is something Cashman would do Christmas Eve night at like 9.30 p.m. We drop, he drops a, a Garrett Cole trade just to throw a wrench in everyone's, everyone's Christmas Eve dinner. If he does do that, I will come on and, and give some two cents. And I'll try to steal you away, too. <clears throat> yeah, I'll go out in the backyard and make a phone call to you. There you go. Uh, the Yankees, though, aren't just linked to Garrett Cole as far as starting pitchers. Patrick Corbin from Arizona, who's a lefty with one more year of control. He had a up-and-down 2017. He made 32 starts, which is good. 4.03 ERA overall. Eh, not that great, especially for Arizona, big pitcher's ballpark. But he, he was pretty good in the second half with a 3.26 ERA. He's someone they could acquire who is depth, who would not cost Clint Frazier plus prospects. He would I don't know what he would cost, something much less than that package. But if you're acquiring someone like Corbin, it brings it back again to, is Patrick Corbin better than Jordan Montgomery? That's the problem. I don't understand why there's so many rumors about these other guys that are out there. Maybe it's just floating out there to give them even more leverage because they're talking to other clubs. I don't know. But that makes zero sense to me. You have Jordan Montgomery ready to go. I, I understand if you're trying to uh, acquire a guy that's like a top-tier guy that has the potential of being a, a number one in Garrett Cole. I get that. I understand it. It's value. That's what Cashman lives on. He lives on value. Patrick Corbin, eh, not bringing me value. I don't know what we're doing with the with the starting rotation at that point. So... I'm passing on Corbin. I'm passing on guys like, uh, uh, what's his name from Detroit? Fulmer. I don't, you're going to have to give well, up did you too hear, much. Did you hear the, the, what Detroit was asking for Fulmer? Because also Fulmer's locked up for um, a, long, a time. long time. He's not even arbitrary. He was a rookie last year. Yeah. Their starting point was Clint Frazier and Gleyber Torres. That was their right. starting point. So yeah, hip, hip bricks. It's not happening. <laughs> like, you there's, there's not a deal that I want for, for a, a guy like that. Go sorry, shove Michael Fulmer up your ass, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit's funny. They're adorable with the way that they try to do things like that. It's like nobody takes them serious. I feel well, like at this point. No, but I mean they they have to ask for the moon at this point because of because he's locked up for long term. And if they do want to trade him, maybe they go at the trade deadline and and get somebody to overpay a contender. The problem with trading a pitcher at the deadline, if you're if you're someone like Detroit or someone like uh, Pittsburgh, is that yeah, the price might go up, but you also limit yourselves to the teams that would want to acquire him because it's going to be someone who needs a starter and someone who's in contention. And and maybe that goes from 10 teams in the offseason down to three teams. So you're not sort of getting them all to bid against one another. But you could also get a situation where the Yankees got uh, two years ago where they just flip two relievers for just gigantic hauls to teams that are desperate. Let me tell you where I am at this point. Unless unless Brian Cashman goes out and gets a ridiculous value that he chalks up as, as, as truly worth it, I really, really hope and think that the Yankees should stand pat because they still have a ridiculous farm system that, that has you know one of the, the strongest farm systems in the league and puts them in a position of strength 
that if they need to go out and acquire somebody, whether it's at the trade deadline or there have been deals, you know, within the month of July, earlier in the before the trade deadline really starts heating up, they have a position where they can go in and do it. And then they know what they have more in the starting rotation. They, they know what, what they have on the field a bit more. So I, I really hope that they can hold those cards for a point where, hey, maybe now we can go and get somebody that pushes us over the edge and we have a better idea of what exactly we need. So that's what I'm hoping happens. Uh, unless they can get steal Garrett Cole somehow, uh, that's, that's kind of what I hope happens. Yeah, the only way I see them stealing Cole is if, if it gets to a point closer to spring training and Pittsburgh's like, well, no one's making offers here, so let's just take the Yankees' best offer. But which which leads me to like, why are you doing that? Like, do you why you're, why you're Pittsburgh? You hold him? If you're Pitt, yeah. why are you, yeah. yeah yeah yeah? Why are you doing? Well, this? I think they're going to trade him by the end of 2018 because if they trade him in 2019, his value goes down because then he's in his last year of control. Oh, so, definitely, and they're in a rebuild mode at this point. I mean, they're they're they they should be at least. Yeah. So this is they're going to trade him in the next six months. Yeah, I agree with that. But I'm saying the price for for them, they'll be they'll be getting a bigger haul. The price goes up when you start going into the season. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It does. People are are, are looking to then make you, move. but you run the risk of Cole having a bad first half. Yeah, you do. But I don't know. It's it, to me if he pitched 200 innings like you said, then you're you're kind of banking on the fact that he would be healthy. Um, so I don't know, man. We'll see. There's a lot, a lot of uh, interesting things happening. Yeah, and the Yankees also apparently made some calls to you, Darvish's agent. I don't get that at all. Uh, well, I mean, he's he's prospect free. So if they're going to add somebody, if they're dead set on adding a guy, which I, you know, then no, I rather I'd rather than pay for it. No, I rather than trade for Garrett Cole than sign you, Darvish. You, Darvish is thirty one years old. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. Absolutely shit his pants in the in the World Series. No thanks, you, Darvish. We already have Tanaka. I don't need you, Darvish, too. You don't want two Japanese starters on the team? No, it's going to piss me off too much. Not that there's anything wrong with Japanese starters. It's just I've been known to get angry at them. The the U Darvish like, they would just have to overpay. It would be entirely too much. Unless U Darvish is taking a, a small smaller deal, which makes no sense. Well, no, it makes then, no sense. Yeah. Then then okay, but <laughs> but like all we've heard is got to get under the tax threshold. Got to get under the tax threshold. And maybe they could still sign him and get under the tax threshold if they. I still off- think they could. Yeah. If they offload Ellsbury. Because they're at like 150 something million dollars right now. But then you're really, because Darvish is going to cost 20 million, 20, 20 to 25 million. So you're really putting yourself up against that 197 where you might not be able to add pieces in the season if you need to. Yeah, I don't want Darvish. Me neither. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Cashman, we don't want him. Uh, other, other reports are that the Yankees and Todd Frazier have been talking about a contract that would be something like a one-year with a player option where that gives Todd Frazier some flexibility to opt out if the Yankees decide they want to sign Manny Machado or they want to promote Anduar or something crazy happens at third base. And I think that makes a ton of sense for both the Yankees and for Todd Frazier because yeah. Frazier stays with the Yankees. He loved New York, Tom's River, blah, blah, blah. The Yes Network can get even more mileage out of the fact they can show the map Oh, look, it took him two and a half hours to get to the office today because there was, there was some traffic on the GW Bridge. Ha, ha, ha. But Todd Frazier was a fan favorite. I, you and I even bought into it in the, in the playoffs. He was, he was one of the first guys out of the dugout every time the Yankees made a rally. He's good, solid third base on defense. He's going to pop like 25 home runs. I averaged out his stats 
from 2017 with the Yankees, if it was over an entire season, he would have had 25 home runs, 73 RBIs, and 80 walks with good defense as a 7, 8, or 9 hitter. That, that, that's very good value, I think, for Todd Frazier. Yeah, and this is the deal that we've talked about for a while. I think it makes a lot of sense if he's not getting if he's not getting what he wants in a in a longer deal, if he's not seeing the numbers that he wants to see, then it makes a lot of sense for him as a professional and thinking about another contract to take a one-year deal maybe with a player option and and showing up and and putting up some some good numbers so that he can go out and and you know get that one more longer contract because what is he we talked about his age I forget with 31 32 something like that yeah um so he's got one more contract in him maybe a three-year deal somewhere in there um so I, I I think it makes a lot of sense and if you're looking for a good place to play to put up good numbers pretty good spot in New York yeah I'm thinking it's something like one year 12 million dollar contract or 13 million dollar contract with a player option for like 10 million yeah that's um that's. I don't think it would be as high as thirteen personally, but it's right around. 10 well, I think now. you're going to have to bump up the yearly value just by a million or two just to get him to sign a short term contract. Which yeah, that's, po- that's possible. Whatever, it's a million bucks. It's still going to work in the the scheme of the tax threshold they're trying to do. And that's all that matters, honestly. Those those uh, couple million here and there, <laughs> you know, throw around a couple million, no problems. But when we're talking about the thrax uh, the, the thrax threshold, the tax <laughs> threshold, <laughs> when we're talking about the tax threshold. Um, it, all that matters is that you get under it. So the, the money underneath it doesn't matter. Could Frazier be sort of like a Scott Brocious to the Yankees? Just more power, a little bit less contact, but that really solid defender, bottom of the order hitter, um, good clubhouse kind of guy? I think Brocious was a better contact hitter. Yeah, that's what um, I just said. Yeah, but but a much better contact hitter and like not even close. <laughs> Brocious didn't, did Brocious win a, uh, a batting title at one point? No, but... Uh, he came close I, to one. He came close to one. It's, uh, he had a anyway, whatever the. Um, <clears throat> but he didn't the, come the, close to twenty five home runs. No, the it's a different world today. But the the comparison lives with a defense solid guy. Um, I think Frazier brings a little bit more. I think he's more of a jovial, fun guy that that brings people together. I just like the dude personally. So it's a part of that is my bias saying I just want that guy on my team because he's a good guy, um, and I think that does mean a lot when you're talking about a team that's ready for contention. You need those very good guys to keep the clubhouse loose and to keep him going when bad things are happening. So I think he just fits really well with what this team is. Uh, Scott Brocious played four seasons for the Yankees. What would you guess his batting average was with the Yankees? Oh, I'm going to be way off now, I feel like, with the way you're asking this question. Um, 279. 267. Okay. And Frazier was a 222 hitter last year. Yeah, that's a solid difference. No, it's a, absolutely a solid difference. But you get 225 out of Frazier with 25 home runs, I'm signing up for that. And I, I actually think he's better than 225. So I think that... Well, because he walks. He gets on uh, base. He, he gets on base. And that's big when you're starting to talk about turning that lineup over. That's important. Yeah. Uh, there's also been some talk of could Mike Moustakas be a fit for the Yankees at third base if his market comes down? I think it would have to come way down. I thought Moustakas was going to get like a four or five year deal this offseason. And now since he, I guess the market has not shown that's out there for someone like Moustakas and he might even sign go one or two year contract because he just doesn't have that longer term thing out there. Uh, Moustakas is a left handed hitter, which I think is the only sort of positive I see with him. Uh, he's, he, I guess he's a better player than, than Frazier overall, but you're going to be paying more, and I think you're going to be paying more in years, and i just rather give myself the flexibility of someone else at third base down the road than, than locking in Moustakas at third base for the next three seasons. 
Well, see, I think the only way that it makes sense for the Yankees is that if he doesn't do that long-term deal. I think that's that's the big thing why Moustakas' name has been floated to the Yankees. It's similar to, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, but what Ian Desmond did a few years ago, He remember he turned down that giant contract from the Nationals when he was on the team because he wanted to test the free agency, t- test free agency. And when he did, everybody's like, there was crickets, nobody wanted him. He wasn't getting the long-term deal. Ended up signing a one-year deal, I think with Texas or I don't know where did he end up or, or uh, in the desert somewhere um, did a one-year deal and then turned that into another contract. So that's, that's to me what we're looking at. It's similar to what Frazier would do. If you signed with the Yankees, you're going to get a, a one-year deal, maybe a one-year with an option at third base, whether it's Frazier or like a guy like Moustakas, but that Moustakas would only work if he agreed that I'm doing this for one year to play for another contract because he's a good player. He's a better player than Frazier. He's a lockdown defender as well. He's got more pop. Um, he's a better fit for this lineup. But um, it would only work on a one-year deal. They're not going to sign him long-term. Someone's giving him three plus. I, I guarantee Probably. you someone's giving him three plus. It's, it, but, the, but the difference is it's, it's got to be the money he wants too. It's got to be the money. If he's not, he's not going to take, take a hit on, on the money just to sign that three-year deal. I think this is a guy that can go out there, definitely. He's young enough still. He'd put up numbers work. in Yankee Stadium too. That's one He thing. would put up huge numbers in Yankee Stadium. It would be so, like a... Um, uh, Nelly Cruz situation yes. with Baltimore where he goes and just like mashes in Camden Yards and then yes. signs the big contract with Seattle. Moustakas could come over, mash in the Bronx, and then sign a big contract with somebody. Absolutely. And I think Moustakas has kind of flown under the radar part of that team. You know, everybody talks about the, the Royals team, but not very many people individualize those guys, right? It's, they were such a, they were the epitome of a team when they were, uh, when they were winning. And Moustakas, I think, has just kind of like, you know, blended into the fibers of Kansas City rather than being a standout guy. I think if he came to New York on a one-year deal, if that did make sense for him, if he wasn't getting the money he wanted, uh, that he would definitely stand out and, and put up some monster numbers. Um, and let's be honest, you, you're going to convince somebody that you're going to mash in this lineup. It's a good situation. Look, if he's not getting the money, it's a great situation for him. The Yankees are in such a power position right now where they can absolutely attract a guy like that for a one-year deal saying like a number of things. One, you you come into a ridiculous lineup. You're going to get a ridiculous amount of pitches. You could mash here, put up huge numbers, make yourself even more attractive on the market, and you have an opportunity to win a World Series. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what everybody wants, right? That's what everybody wants. They want a big money and to win. It's a good situation if you believe in yourself and you believe that you're going to put up those numbers. Uh, it's a but it's a bet. You know you're you're betting on yourself basically to put up those numbers to stay healthy and and get that long term deal in the in the next free agent period. It, it, we're talking about these free agents like Mustakas, Frazier, and you Darvish, and I still think if the Yankees sign another free agent to some big ish money, it means Ellsbury's got to be gone. Heyman speculated uh, this week that the Giants would be a perfect fit for Jacoby Ellsbury because they need outfielders. They just traded Denard Span to Tampa for Evan Longoria. More on Longoria in a minute. Um, but the Yankees are going to have to eat some of that Ellsbury contract. But if you're the Giants and say the Yankees eat 50% of the contract, okay, you're paying $11 million a year for Jacoby Ellsbury. You're banking on the fact that he's going to give you solid defense, top of the order speed, and maybe, just maybe, He's got some cojones and he's pissed off and he might want to prove something that he's not just a bench player, which is what he is with the Yankees. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you, no <he's, laughs> he, he, come on. He's that's a, the pitch. That's the pitch. And, and not a, elite uh, catchers interference player. Oh, that's hundred percent elite best, best all time. 
you want you want the best catcher's interference player in the history of baseball? Jacoby Ellsbury is your guy. He's going back, he wants to go back to the Pacific Northwest where he can just chill out. I mean, like he's from the Oregon. So this is a guy that wants to go back home. Okay, that's uh, it's a, it's a nice nice little fit for him so that he can just kind of chill. Look, I made a pitch. I don't know if you saw my my tweet on Bronx Pinch. I, I did, I did. <laughs> but I, I tried to pitch him. Um, you know, I don't know if the Giants bought it. Hopefully they did. But uh, you know. People are more laid back in California. Fits his style more. He doesn't seem like he cares all that much. So it, I think it would be a nice little fit. Well, uh, do you think he'd waive his no trade clause? Because that's the big problem. Man, go to San I Francisco. Can't, I can't freaking believe the Yankees gave him a no trade clause. I mean, you, they gave him the contract. They did. So why? Did, it shouldn't surprise you that the rest of it was built up. The yeah. I, I mean, I don't know why you're Jacoby Ellsbury and you have an opportunity to go to San Francisco to start. Why the hell would you not tr- wave it? Well, I don't get it. You're just going to sit here and be the be the ass that everybody wants gone? Yeah, bitter. The whole Bitterness. time? Maybe he's bitter. Well, then he's just going to get more bitter because people are going to shit on him all year long. Like, all year. Just or leave. he could be a guy who's just like, hey, I'm going to sit on my ass and get paid 21, I think it's $21.14 million a year to play 65 times. Yeah, but he doesn't want to do that. What professional athlete wants to go and just he's, sit somewhere? Maybe, maybe he's done. Maybe he's just mentally done. Well, go back home then. Go to the Calif- go to California. Avoid the New York tri-state. You know the all the the craziness that's around there. Go to California and just relax. Relax. That's fine. You'll be closer to home. It'll be a lot better. I, it makes no sense to me why he wouldn't waive that if there was a deal in place with San Francisco. Yeah, San you know, Francisco's like, out there in the market for some free agent guys too, like Jay Bruce. But they might find those guys are are very expensive. Like Jay Bruce is probably looking for twenty million a year or something like that. And who knows? Maybe the Yankees have to eat more than fifty percent of the contract. But it's addition by subtraction. You clear a roster spot and you clear some payroll. They they took a lot of they took on a lot of con, uh, money with this Longoria deal as well. So you could tell that the Giants are making a move right now for for two thousand eighteen. Like this is the the year that they're tr- they're trying to go out. It's an even year. Their window <laughs> they're try- their window's they're, closing. It they is. Know, so they they're trying that. to win this. They they have a, a number one guy uh, at the top of their rotation. They know that. Didn't they? Um, what's his face? Stayed, right? Cueto uh, stayed. They have, they have stayed. Bumgarner, who's, like you said, number one. You got Cueto and you got Samarja. And you've got a Hall of Fame catcher. Hall of Fame catcher who changes the rules of baseball. The, the, this is the team that's ready to go. So, yeah, why not add another uh, a guy like Ellsbury who can get on base? They need an outfielder. Didn't they just trade Denard Span? Yeah, Denard Span. Like, like I said, he was their starting center fielder. They have Hunter Pence, but other than that, they have He's some... He's a corner outfielder. Right, but they don't have guys with a lot of major league experience. And you're going, they're go, they'd be going into next season with a hole in center and in left field. Yeah, I love it. I think it's a great deal. Go, Jacoby. <laughs> Go. Would uh well maybe maybe you can't because you, you're preoccupied up in Boston, but I would actually drive Ellsbury not across country because that's a lot. I would get him an Uber to JFK. Ooh. That's a that's an expensive Uber. Well maybe I could crowd crowdsource it and we, I, you <laughs> could get that money very fast. <laughs> if that was a shared Uber ride between Oh yeah, let's like be honest. Uber, Uber, he's Uber pool. No, not even he's he's lift he's lift sharing it. Whatever that thing is called, lift line. We could we could do an Uber pool, and all of us could go with him and just send him off. Make sure that he gets on the damn plane. <laughs> we need to send some people to make sure that he gets on the plane. You know, you know what I realized though is that now that Chase Headley's gone, uh, Ellsbury is the new number one. You're target. running out of guys. Yeah, no, but Ells- he's too easy. He's too easy. Yeah, but that's why. I mean, and it's going to be for everyone. 
because the rest of the team is very likable, even the guys that are making big money. Tanaka's the second highest earner on the team. As long as he's out there pitching well, who gives a shit? But but Ellsbury is the guy who's just eating up contract on the bench. So he is public enemy number one in the Bronx next year. Let me tell you what I'm afraid of, because I don't even think Ellsbury's going to get as much just because everybody knows it. It's like, it's like you're beating a guy who's already so far down that it doesn't matter anymore. What's making me nervous is that now that Chase Headley's gone and we really don't have like that guy to, to, that plays every day to, to go after, I'm really, really nervous about the, the frustration level on Gary Sanchez's defense. I really pray to God that he oh. fixes it and cleans it up because if he doesn't clean it up, I'm going to go absolutely ape shit next year because it's going to be the only thing I'm going to be able to complain about. One of the only things, and it's going to be so glaring. Well, let's if hope he, that's one of the only things that we have to complain about. Yeah, Who but knows? I just, I, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to build this animosity up towards him yeah. if he doesn't clean that up because, because there's nothing else to complain because about. we see the potential in him like Ellsbury's yeah. a lost cause like he goes out there and strikes out four times like whatever he's Jacoby Ellsbury we know that but Gary Sanchez we think is an all all world all-star level player so to see him be lazy behind the plate that pisses you off even more oh no doubt and the fact that he can do better. I know he can do better. Yeah. I have confidence that Gary Sanchez is going to clean that shit up in the offseason, going to come back and going to be a much better defender. He's already got the plus arm. I'm very excited for that. I just, I'm just saying, I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be that guy. I do not want to be. I don't want to be you, okay? I don't want to be that negative guy. I'm sorry, I don't. So um, Someone's got to bring positivity yeah, we can't on a have, weekly basis. We, we have to have a yin and a yang on this podcast. We can't have two negative people. No. Uh, though, but back to Ellsbury, people don't even care. I sort of just was daydreaming about something he walks to the plate and then the PA announcer instead of playing his walk-up music just plays cricket noises and the entire stadium is quiet that would be even worse than him just getting booed <laughs> hilarious that would be funny uh one a quick note on the Mustakas thing before we move on to I was just thinking about this a little bit further in my brain and it's making even more sense if he's not getting the money that he wants to uh, to get this offseason. One, we're seeing a lot of uh, free agents right now that are still out there, like a ton, like a, a lot. I, th- I thought I heard a number of like 150 free agents, something like that. There's a lot of free agents still out there right now. Um, if Mustakas were to not see the numbers that he wants, he were to go to a team like New York in a place where he can succeed, put up a monster year, all the money that is being saved, basically, that's being kind of stored and kept in escrow, if you will, for that 2019 class, some... How many how many teams are not going to get Manny Machado? How many teams are not going to go out there and get Bryce Harper and still have a ton of money to go out and spend? It's kind of a good time, even if you're not the number one guy, you could be the number two or even three guy out there to say, hey, I'm here, put up a monster number and really cash in because there's going to be a lot of spenders in 2019. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And, but Moustakas has to bet on himself in that situation. 100%. It's a, it's a gamble, but it could really pay off. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of free agents out there, but usually the dominoes fall pretty quickly. Like J.D. Martinez is probably the top offensive free agent out there. The Red Sox seem to be the leading candidate for him, although they've been quiet this offseason. They just signed Mitch Moreland. Woohoo! Big uh, deal. That's a huge, that was a huge deal. Locked down that first base job. But, uh, but Martinez has not signed yet so i feel like maybe once martinez signs sets the market like scott boris called him what do you call him the king kong of dong um (laughs) (laughs) that's a ridiculous name (laughs) uh once martinez signs like for 150 175 million that sort of sets the market then the next dominoes will fall yeah usually they wait for that big dude to, to go um 
I think people were waiting for a long time for this Otani thing to, to figure itself out. Now that that has figured it out, we got the holidays. Usually this is a very dead time. Usually, honestly, like over the past couple of years when we've been podcasting in January, January is like total crickets, like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing happens. But yeah. it's been a delayed year this year. So more things will definitely happen in January, which I appreciate. Thank you, uh, Major League Baseball Free Agency, for stretching this out a little bit. Yeah, January is always the calm before the storm because then once you make it to February, you get pitchers and catchers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, one quick final thank you to the Giants for trading for Evan Longoria and getting him the hell out of the AL East. Woo! That's a weight off our shoulders because Longoria is, now that Ortiz was retired, the number one Yankee killer. All I got to say, man, is that if, if the Yankees aren't walking out with like... I, Usually the American League used to play them, what, 19, 18, 19 times in a season. Like, I'm talking about, uh, I want 17 wins. I'm serious. I want, I, want, I want to go 17 and 2 if it's 19 games, however many games. They should be winning practically every game against Tampa Bay. And against I, the Orioles, because the Orioles are looking uh, to trade Machado and uh, Britain is it just, uh, just out. Yeah, the Brit- yeah, he's coming back though. I think he'll be he'll be okay for spring training or for the year maybe. I don't know. He'll be back earlier in the year. I don't think they're training Machado until the trade deadline. I think they will get a he will be a mercenary next year at some point. Um, if they realize that they cannot resign him, they're stupid if they don't. They probably should have signed him last year so that someone else had control of him for a full year, but they didn't because the the Orioles are dumb. Um but yeah, there's they're a better team, so they're still okay. I mean, they can still make a move if they were to go out and get another pitcher. Like, I don't understand why they're not going after a guy like you, Darvish. Like, their window is still open. They still have a relatively. They're, open they're window looking right up now. what the Yankees just did and what the Red Sox have set up on their. their I mean, they're but this facing, is their last year. This is their last year they can make a deal. Okay, so then you would But then you wouldn't. Then you wouldn't. Um, you wouldn't sign you, Darvish, because you're locking him in for for the long term. Uh, when you might suck, you'd. Why aren't they in on a guy like Garrett Cole? Is the question. Maybe they don't have the prospects to get Garrett. They Cole, don't. They don't have the. Prospects. But they could empty their farm system and just say we're we're gonna we're gonna shot in the dark here. Let's see what happens. Let's. And there's wild card spots, right? They could. They were a wild card team two years ago. Maybe if they get a pitcher, they could be a wild card team again. I mean, they're going to be a very good offensive team. Absolutely, they're going to be they're one of always the a good teams. offensive team because they play in Camden Yards, which is just a a, a box of home runs. But they, um, their pitching has been they, – they just can't turn that corner, and I don't get it why they don't try. Why not, how about a reunion with Jake Arrieta? Nice little reunion, even though he sucked when he was with Baltimore. Yeah. You ready to get into some mailbags? Let's do it. First one is a Twitter question from Greg Bill at LegitGregHill uh, on Twitter. So maybe I copied that wrong, and his name is Greg Hill, not Greg Bill. Anyway. <laughs> that, that would make sense. <laughs> he asks, who hits two, three, four, and five in this lineup? I'd go Judge Stanton Bird Sanchez unless it's a lefty and then I'll crack in at five. Okay, so let's sort of try and construct the lineup, at least the top of the order. Um, why don't you go first? Okay, I, I think Judge is going to slide in that second role. It, again, we're assuming that Gardner's in the, in the one spot. Gardner's in the one spot. I do think that Judge is going to stay in that two spot. I think that, um, you know, you have so many of these power guys that it really doesn't matter who's there. Someone's got to be there. But um, unless you're going two lefties and you put Didi, personally, I love Didi as a two hitter. Like I think he's a great two hitter. I think because he can now hit lefties, he can hit righties. Um, the problem is, is that you would then stacking lefties at the top, and a lot of people don't like that. Uh, so if it's a right-handed bat, if it's a right-handed pitcher, I mean, I love it. I think Didi's a great two spot. I think he gets on base enough. I think he's uh, he's hitting for average. He doesn't take as many walks as you'd like to see, maybe, but he's getting on base 
a lot higher tick. Um, so, but I think Judge is going to be that guy. And then I think it's just lefty righty after that. And you can kind of, I don't think it really matters as much. I think uh, it, it would be Judge. Um, then I'd like to see Bird. Then, um, then Stanton and, and go on from there. Yeah, uh, Buster only wrote something a couple weeks back that what if the Yankees toyed with Aaron Judge leadoff? And he sort of cited that he sees a ton of pitchers because he walks a lot and he also strikes out a lot. So he sees a lot of pitches. He's a solid base runner. He's he's quick, especially for his size. And obviously he's got the power, so you got quick strike potential. It sort of reminds me of what um, what happened with the Blue Jays and Joey Bats. Yeah, I just don't think if Gardner's on this team, you're not, they're not going to mess around with that. I think that he's still going to be the leadoff guy. He's, he's proved so well that he can do that and, and work the counts and take walks if he needs to and just grind out tough at-bats. I think Gardner's like the prototypical guy. If he's healthy, he's going to be the leadoff guy. I agree. Uh, I, I also think Gardner and then Judge at the top of the order is, is great. Bird, I think, has a three-hitter makeup, right? Yeah. He, yeah. But he's so goddamn slow. <laughs> Like so freaking slow, so you you're gonna have RBI guys behind him. He's gonna clog the bases, whatever. I don't know if you if we really care about that. If they put DD third, I'd be also totally fine with that. And then you have Stanton, and then you could go Bird Sanchez or Sanchez Bird behind him. It doesn't really matter where you're hitting a lot of these guys because they're all really good. People really want to see Judge and Stanton back to back in the order, but I I actually would prefer that them to be split up with a left-handed hitter or a guy that has a little bit more contact like uh, Didi or Bird. Yeah, and, you know, I think that to me, just, just by, I don't know, using my, uh, my gut and my intuition about how, um, how Boone is going to construct this lineup, I think it's going to change a lot. I think it's going to be very flexible. I don't think he's going to lock in guys at certain positions. I think that's what he really doesn't want to do. I think he wants to provide himself, and I think it would behoove him, behoove him to actually do that, to give himself some flexibility. Um, but, you know, I think there will be some guys that, that you'll see slowly lock into spots. Like, I, I do think Gardner, um, and then I, I definitely think Judge will, will most likely, for all intents and purposes, lock in that too. But there's just so much flexibility with those other guys because you know, when, when you're talking about Stanton, when you're talking about Stanton, Bird, and um, Sanchez, like those are three huge bopper, like guys that mash the living shit out of the ball. And then you throw Didi in there who hits 30 home runs and can hit more contact and can run a little better. There's just so many things you can do. So I really do, it depends on who's on the mound. Didi, you mentioned that uh, he's got a high average, but he doesn't walk a lot. That's the next step for Didi, more patient at the plate. Yeah, and don't you have confidence that that's going to come because he's yeah. shown the progression? million percent. And if, and if Didi adds some patience to his approach at the plate and starts walking 70 times a year, holy shit, is he a complete player. Well, there's, you can look at that at, at two ways. The other, the other side of that coin as well is if Didi is, is super aggressive because that's probably the guy they're going to pitch to most, right? I mean, like you're looking at these guys that, that can hurt you in all sorts of things. I think people do forget still that Didi's a 30 home run guy. Like, you know, when you look at him, like that's not a 30 home run guy, but yeah, he actually is a 30 home run guy. Um, he may get more, a lot more strikes and, you know, it may actually benefit him more to be aggressive with those pitches because he's going to see a lot more strikes. Yeah. He's so, a 30, he's a 30 home run guy. Uh, that's what he would have hit last year if he didn't miss April. He's a 30 home run guy at Yankee stadium. I'm not sure yeah. he's a 30 home run guy everywhere, but he's a 20 right. home run guy everywhere. And he is a, an elite defensive player, and any I I don't know. We love Didi, <laughs> like we just love Didi. We love Didi. He's uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal tweeter. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's the next question? 
All right, next one is from Brent. He says, I'm as big a fan of all the moves Cashman has been doing, but don't you think we're putting too much trust in Bird, who missed almost the entire last season? I know he's a really good player, but what do the Yankees do if he does get injured? Romine at first? So it's interesting because I, I tend to agree with you in the sense that I think the Yankees do have to have some sort of a backup plan for Greg Bird because he's proved that he can't stay on the field. And while, you, you know, some may argue that they've just been fluky injuries, that weird extra bone in his foot, like, what is that? I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, but he's had also back issues. And that to me is the more concerning part is, is the more muscular issues, uh, things that can linger longer, not a bone in the foot that's fluky and weird, but more of the back stuff, you know, potentially other issues that that can go along with a back injury because back injuries just start the trend of other injuries um, when you compensate for things. So yeah, I think there does need to be a backup plan. I think it's a very solid concern. I'm more worried about the fact that he can't stop posting pictures of his hairless cat. Shit's weird, man. It's just strange. I got an MLB at-bat update yesterday that Greg Bird was posting pictures of his cat. They were in matching Christmas sweaters. Yeah, they did. There's the um, Lima Zilli's daughter is doing like updates. It's like a talk soup type Yankees style show on uh, what they're doing on Twitter. It started yesterday. I don't know. Check it out if you want to. But they FaceTimed with Greg Bird and his hairless cat with matching sweaters and you could tell that he's like this is the dumbest shit i've ever done in my life no <laughs> i think he's a corny think dude he he's it. a corny this, dude he clearly he's clearly on the odds he's eccentric and he's that's out okay. there yeah that's okay maybe we should play the ref Snyder interview because ref Snyder does talk about uh bird and talks about a lot of the guys in the clubhouse and kind of their personalities oh yeah and didn't he call bird the, the corniest the corniest dude on the team <laughs> horrible jokes like horrible jokes yes uh, as far as backup options at first base, that I think that's actually gives uh, more of a reason that they could sign Todd Frazier. I know he didn't play first base for the Yankees last year, but we, they were toying around the idea of him as a backup first baseman. So if you sign Frazier, he can provide depth at first base. If Greg Bird goes down, then you could have um, Torres or someone else at third base. So I think Frazier at least gives you that option. Yeah, I think there's, the, you know, Tyler Austin is still there. Also a guy, though, that hasn't proved that he can stay healthy. Who? Um, yeah, so he's probably going to come in as the as the backup first baseman, you would think. He does give that that righty-lefty mix with Bird, which is which is good if you want to give Dude, Tyler Bird. Austin finally got his chance to play first base last year and lasted three games before tearing a hamstring. Yeah, it's bad. He can't stay, it's, it's not a good situation for him as far as him staying on the field. He hasn't proved that he can stay healthy. He's Did I say Tyler Wade? Or t- I meant Tyler Austin. I think I said Tyler Whatever, Wade. one of the Tylers. He's... He's uh he he's definitely had opportunities that that oh. he has not been able to take advantage of. Uh, our 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 19th string first baseman got, just got traded to San Diego, Brian Mitchell. Well, that's true. He did play first base at one point. We had like 80,000 first basemen last year and they're all he disasters. Man, is he man still around? I think he man's in AAA. Maybe not. I don't know. Billy McKinney though, the guy that we talked about earlier, has been picking up a first base glove. He's been that's been new to him. So they're they're definitely working him out at first base. Also, keep an eye on him. I'm telling you, keep an eye on him. It's an interesting, uh, he's an interesting player, and uh, he does add flexibility to this team as far as position, and he can rake. He, the dude can hit. 
we had already read the Lee Jones uh, one about the six-man rotation, and that's it for mailbags. Thank you guys for submitting. If you want to email us, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. And uh, we also have been getting our Facebook group going. It's something that Scott and I have been saying for like two years we got to get going, the Bronx Pinstripe Show Facebook. But you'll notice if you're a member of that, I posted a bunch of stuff last week, and I, and I want to continue doing that. You can ask mailbag questions there, too. That's sort of a, a forum discussion. So you guys can, can post some questions there. Um, follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Rotondi. Follow Scott at Scott Reinen. Scott, any last words before we get out of here? Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Hope everybody has a, a, a very happy and safe time over the holidays and has a good time with their family. Again, if you are interested in uh, making an impact in uh, children's heart defects, disease research, uh, Ethan Lindbergh Foundation does just phenomenal stuff. They've personally helped us out uh, with, uh, with, with an apartment. They, they have an apart- two apartments in Boston for, pe- for people who are in the cardiac ICU long term, um, and they, they basically give it to, uh, to everybody at a very reasonable rate. It's awesome. It, it definitely helps out quite a bit, um, and it's super comfortable. It's just a, it's a great thing to have. Um, so if you're interested in uh, supporting them and, um, and making a, a small donation, that would be amazing. Screenshot it. Put something in there about the Yankees in the notes. Go to their website, Ethan Lindbergh, L-I-N-D-B-E-R-G.com, and you just follow the links to their donation page. So, again, Merry Christmas, Happy, uh, happy Holidays, and uh, I'm, I hope everybody has a amazing, amazing Christmas. Good stuff. Also, keep an eye out for those interviews we mentioned coming out later this week. And give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. That's what Scott and I want for Christmas from all you guys. Go do it. We're at 712 or 710. Just keep doing it till we get to 1,000 and more. So thanks, guys, for listening this entire year. Talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.